0: Now, if we're looking for individuals we're we're not that team you know we we're not we're not at that level to rely on individuals to win us games of football for us what's got us to this point is the collective um, we've worked really hard as a team uh, we've kind of been really committed to something and that's what's got us to kind of the, the point we are now we're not a team that's uh, got individuals in it that are going to win games of football on their own that we don't have those players. We don't win that kind of team. The reason that I'm here is because, you know, the club is seeking change.
1: He said, well, whether you come or not, you're going to see a complete different First team under me."
0: You know, my hope and my desire and what I'm going to try and do is give our supporters hope and, and belief that we're, um, you know, we're going to embark on something special.
2: Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. You can follow me at a You can follow us at Tottenham Depot. We've got a pair of disappointing 2-1 defeats on both the men's and women's side to discuss this week, and we're going to take our time doing it because there ain't no games next week to talk about, so we're going to have to figure it out from there. Uh, a little bit of a break for Spurs after this weekend, but i have got Scott alongside to talk about it. He is at Scotty Bird. Scott, what's going on, man?
1: Not a whole lot. Tough weekend for sports, but... That, that's his life right so we we move forward
2: tough weekend for sports or spurs what else is going on in your sports realm that's disappointing no
1: just spurs right uh, okay yeah so. <laughs> i was gonna
2: say did you did, did uh did you not not like the nba three-point contest or something <laughs> there's not no, a lot of no, no. going on else otherwise
1: yeah 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 for sure so i guess i just uh, unfortunately have nothing but two defeats to to look back to over the past 48 hours but You know,
2: whatever. It's just sports, right? It is. I know there's also a disappointment on Caroline's grander sports scale, which we may or may not touch on briefly, but she is at CG Stefko. Caroline, uh, what's going on with you? I know uh, a lot, right? (laughs)
0: Uh, Yeah, too much on the soccer front, probably. It it was a disappointing weekend in that regard. Although I will say I, I was watching the Women's Gold Cup play-in games which were very exciting and entertaining so i did not watch the nba all-star weekend festivities for that reason but um yeah that's that's what i'm choosing to focus on as a as a happy soccer moment from this weekend
2: because they're so few and far between especially for a tottenham hotspur slash Bayern munich fan i get it uh let's just dive right into this 2-1 defeat to wolves um i kind of Always thought that a game against Wolves would be a challenge, but it's even more of a challenge apparently when you're missing your two fullbacks, Scott. Uh, hey, talk us through what your feelings were pre-match when you found out that both Destiny adogi and Pedro Poro were not going to be part of this game.
1: I honestly probably wasn't as concerned as others. I think, I think Davies and Royale do a fine job. Um, I... I actually attribute <clears throat> more of the concerns around fullback to to the way that teams are figuring out how to shut our fullbacks down and and use our inverted fullbacks to their own advantage, right? Than than uh, Roy and Davies themselves. So again, I thought that they, they do a fine job, so I wasn't super concerned. Um, and I, like I actually said in the group chat, I thought it was probably time for Adogi and Poro to. Earn a bit of a rest, too. I think they've they've put a lot of minutes on those legs, and maybe that's some of why they have a knock, right? But either way, a couple weeks without a match to play is probably good for those two. So, I don't know, a bit of a long-winded answer, but I wasn't super concerned.
2: I'll tell you how concerned I was, Caroline. Uh, My dad texted me prior to the match starting on Saturday morning and was asking what channel it was on uh, because my dad's trying to be a little bit more involved in watching Spurs when he's not on the golf course. And I was like, shout out, shout out to you, dad. And I said, uh, both our fullbacks who create a lot of attack are out with injuries. So this might be a shit show. And he said he had read that and was, but was still looking forward to watching the game. And then after the game, I texted him, shit show indeed, <laughs> just from the so- spots I suspected. Uh, where were you at with this? Cause this was definitely a concern of mine pre match. And we're going to get into the reasons, but I think it kind of bore itself out a little bit.
0: Well, I love that your dad is embracing the Koi's lifestyle. Um, and normally we would say this was a good time for it, but maybe not this weekend specifically. Um, and I was kind of on the same page as Scott. I didn't think it was going to be a huge issue. I, I mean, obviously it's less than ideal that both of them were out the same weekend. Cause I think if it was, you know, one or the other, probably we could have weathered it a little bit better. But for me, I, I think it really is that wolves have, just been a really tricky team for us the past few seasons to the point where it almost feels like, you know, kind of bogey energy that they have over us. Um, but I yeah, I, I don't think that Davis and Royale were terrible by any means. Um, I, <laughs> if, if Davis had scored that chance at the very end, I think we would have a much different view of his performance. But it it to me, it felt like the bigger issue was the midfield still i feel like that's been kind of a recurring issue over the past few weeks just not those players not really just being in the best form um and it's it's starting to get better in terms of like literal fitness but i think that the flow is still a little bit off
2: well let's let's kind of dive right into to each of these units like we kind of tend to do on most of these podcasts because i think that's actually a good way to look at it at times and um, if you want to talk about that that back line, i I thought you know you you're saying neither of them played poorly. i I think Davis had a better game than he will get credit for. Um, I thought he was solid defensively. I thought he was getting into decent positions. um the other side of the field, though, and I was in the in our group chat throughout the match, just kind of complaining a lot about what I was seeing from Emerson Royale. and it, it's not that he can't defend. It's not that he's not a good fullback for a different system, but I don't think he's the right fullback. He's just not the right fit for the end system. And I think that's something that we've known. But it's also something that in his absence for the last handful of weeks, just because he hasn't been playing a lot at all. Pedro Porro has had that spot down on lock, similar to how destiny adogie has on the left side. I just think we tend to forget about how different of players, those two starters on both the left and the right are from their backups in Davis and Royal. And when you throw emerson royale out there at at this point i'm i'm hesitant to be too critical because it's just not his game but at the same time i saw so many moments in this match where he was halting attack or just not in the right position or even taking bad angles defensively and while he can still make a defensive stop and defend pretty well one-on-one um i really thought the second goal was there was a, there was a lot to be desired from the angle he took on that counter attack. And it really bothered me watching the way that he defended that. And I get that. That's a tough thing to, 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 to put on him, to put, you know, a fullback tracking back, trying to stop a counter. It's not an easy play to make on any stretch, but I feel like we've seen so much more calmness in those spots from both Adogi and Poro than we've ever seen from, from Emerson and even Davis, you know, you wouldn't expect Davis to have to track back Royals at least got the, the pace and the legs, but, Um, It was just, it was a tough watch for me overall from, from that unit. And that said, the first thing I had written down in my notes for the kind of the first 25 to 30 minutes of this match was that this defense was on point. It was making so many great plays as a unit, partially because it had to. And I think that was part of the problem is that, that, that early on, especially in this match, Scott, there just wasn't a lot for Spurs going forward and getting into the match. We saw a lot more of that in the second half, but in the first half, there was a lot of defending that needed to happen
1: yeah i mean it didn't look great i i think if we first look at the fullbacks right as we've been discussing i would say that the prior two weeks maybe even three weeks of and poro didn't look didn't look good either um i think what i'm seeing and again i'm i'm no i'm no tactician to the level of, of andrew his staff right um if you're interested in what I'm about to say, definitely DM me. I'd be interested in working for the club. But um, these fullbacks, when when they're progressing the ball up the field in the earlier part of the season, they were given a lot of space and they're getting pressed super hard in our own third, but also in the middle of the field. But then what's interesting is when, when these inverted fullbacks have the ball or, or are involved in the play, you could even say – in our attacking third in, in our opponents third, they're given a lot of breathing room and space. And I think what teams are recognizing is if you push everything to those two inverted fullbacks and ask them to be like creative midfielders, essentially, you can win the ball back really easily. And then neither of them are in position to stop the break. So it's, it's honestly just like, I hate to say this because it, this is not, this is not a knock at it, the tactics of Ange Postecoglou at all, but it's like super easy to see. And the one thing that I'll say, and I'm sure Ange is learning this is, is I've said on this show, when, when you win in Australia with Melbourne city, I think that's who he was with. Right. Um, Adelaide, maybe. Shit.
0: I think it's Brisbane roar.
1: It is. Thank you. Third
0: time's a yeah. charm.
1: Yeah, what so anyways, all I know is when he took over that club in Australia, right, they were at the bottom of the table, he won the league quickly. Hats off. <clears throat> Same thing in Japan. Celtics a little bit of a different story, right? But either way, I've said kudos to you for winning those leagues because the talent equals the league, right? So whether you win the Premier League or the or the J League, it's a huge accomplishment. The only caveat being in the Premier League, Gary O'Neill is a very good manager that you're not going to find in Japan, right? No disrespect to the J-League, but it's Gary O'Neill. Anyone who's ever won this league is absolute world-class top five managers in the world, every single one, including Claudio Ranieri with Lester, honestly. He's a very talented coach. So he's going to come up against a tactical opposition that he's not probably used to coming up against. And... I'll tell you what we look fucking rough. we cannot do anything right now and and for me again, I'll just say it one more time and then and then I'll be quiet. The biggest thing is teams are asking our inver- inverted fullbacks to be the fulcrum of, of our creative attack by just letting them right say okay well we're gonna take Madison out of the game we're gonna take Kulisetsky out of the game go ahead go ahead Davies and royale run the show, right we're gonna win the ball back flanks wide open see you later thank you. Um, and so we got to get that figured out.
2: Well, and I think you can ask those inverted fullbacks to be the fulcrum of the attack when it's Poro and Adogi. They've shown the ability to do that. They've shown the the ability on the ball, the passing ability, the attack, getting into attacking positions, and and you've seen their recovery pace. But when it's Davies and Royal, it's a lot harder to ask them to do that kind of job. And this, what you're talking about, Scott, speaks to a lot of what I've seen over the last twenty four hours or so. Just if of people saying. Ange and his tactics got it wrong and we need to recognize and this is this is something this is a a point of view I'm parroting I'm not like getting behind it fully I'm I'm still not really sure how I feel to be perfectly honest and I know that's not a great tactic to take when you you know host a podcast but I'm trying to be like practical here it, there is a balance to be struck with what you're saying between Ange tweaking his tactics because he doesn't have his starters and two guys that have proven to be able to play in the way that you're talking that quote unquote ange ball TM but if you need to dial that back a little bit and find the right balance between going for it all the time and playing that ange ball and being a little more conservative because you've got players who can't play that same style like where is that balance and, and Caroline like th- there's there's a lot of hullabaloo on the internet about ange and not always playing ball but we kind of know that that's not his style either. So where where do we where do we come down on <laughs> what needs to be done about this?
0: Yeah, for me, the biggest issue—not just in this game, but honestly in the last couple of games—is that we we have pretty close to our you know preferred starting eleven available. Obviously, we got thrown this curveball with the fullbacks being out in this game, but I I feel like. The biggest issue has been that even though we have a really strong team across the board, basically, the level has not really been where we would like to see it in terms of the performances. I feel like, you know, to a man, almost all of them have had, you know, their share of struggles over the past couple of weeks. And like Scott was alluding to, in a league like the Premier League, the margin for error is really slim. So it's, you know, in another league, perhaps if, if, you know, everybody was just a little bit off, we could still get away with it. But I don't think that's the case in the Premier League for sure. Um, and I, I think, you know, in those games when we were missing so many players, whether that was suspensions or injuries, the, it, it kind of gave the team an energy that they knew they had to perform because there was no one else. And, you know, it still didn't always work out, but at least it felt like, you know, the effort was consistently there. And I I don't think that has necessarily been the case the last few games. And to me, that's why, you know, obviously, as you can see from my display name today, I am very much in the trust the process kind of camp, you know, definitely Ange in. I can't believe there are people who are Ange out at this point. That's ridiculous to me. But I, I do think it's fair to feel a little disappointed with the performances the last few games because I, you know, I think it's just the fact that the team has not been playing to its level. So it's it's a little bit of both, I guess, for me.
2: Let me let me bounce this off of you guys. I, I think there's something to be said for fan expectation as well. Um, I talk about this a lot in all, all the teams I follow. Like th- you go into a season expecting one thing, and as the season plays out, expectations obviously ebb and flow as the season is going on. Well, coming into the season, I think we all would have been super, super pleased with probably where we are now and where we've been throughout this season. But this team, if you remember, went on a run to start the season of 10 games, unbeaten eight wins. I think it was two draws, if I'm not mistaken, all of that happening before the Chelsea match. And we know what happened, the Chelsea match. And it's that's when all of these suspensions slash injuries started to kick in the very next match we went and played wolves and lost to them uh and i went on and previewed this this wolves match last week with the whole lot of wolves pod and said to them it's kind of poetic that the return fixture here we're finally going to be back to full strength we're finally going to have all of our bodies back uh since that first match that we played them was the first match where we didn't have everybody and, of course, that didn't work out because both the fullbacks were out. So, you know, that, that was recorded earlier in the week when we didn't know Poor and Adogie were going to be out. So it's it's just it's proof point that the 11, the starting 11, the solid 11 that we saw go on that run of 10 games unbeaten to start the season hasn't been together, really, it's through all of it, you know, between international duty, injuries, suspensions, through all of it since the Chelsea match, no one's really been together. So I think we know as Spurs fans, we're confident in this 11, but beyond that, there are questions. And I think that's actually okay right now. I, I, I'm taking the, the same place that you are, Kai, and I'm I'm believing that this is still seven, eight months into season one of what is supposed to be a rebuild. And I know there are a lot of people, you know just jumping for joy that, that they get to bitch and moan about something and get to complain, but I'm just, I, I can't get to that place right now. I can't get to the place of doom and gloom and trying to score, you know, points based on previous results of other managers and all that kind of stuff. It's just, it's not a tack that I can take seriously at this point of a Spurs season where, you know, what are, what are we now? We're like a couple of points out of fourth. We're, we're two points out of fourth. Um, I I just, I I can't get, I can't jump up and down and and scream about that at this point. So, um, what about, do we want to move on to talk even, I feel like we've veered off from talking about the games. I do kind of want to talk about that midfield that you mentioned earlier, Caroline, because I agree with you. There is still something not quite clicking there. Um, the pieces are coming back. Basuma, Sar, Madison, all, all kind of, they looked like they were in their right places. At least Benton got a break. I think we were all calling for that. But like this midfield still didn't seem all there. It, it felt like you could see the 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 puzzle pieces sitting out on the table. You just weren't sure how to quite put them together.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. They were you know in the right positions. It was just a matter of heavy touches, passes going awry at the final moment. Um, I think on the second goal that we conceded, Basuma had an absolute stinker uh, on both ends of the pitch, which was really unfortunate. Um, I, I just think it's one of these things where we have to have patience, basically, that they're going to all, you know, work their way back into some form. Cause that's the thing, you know, I don't think people would be feeling so disappointed after this game if we didn't know what the players and the collective were capable of when they're at their best. Cause we did see that early in the season. So I I think for me, I'm definitely of the, like, you know, feel your feelings kind of attitude, and but we have to keep perspective at the same time. You know, we have to realize that that early stretch of the season was like peak Tottenham for this team, essentially. And, you know, the season has kind of become derailed for various reasons that, you know, some of them in our control, some not. But I, I think we just have to accept that there are going to be some tough games. And, you know, again, in a league like this, the teams are all going to present different challenges and you have to give Wolf some credit as well for what they did. Um, especially since, you know, they were missing a very important player to them, you know, and Mateus Cunha, who's been really important for them. So I, I think that's just kind of where I'm at. We've got to give credit where it's due at the same time.
2: Scott, where are you at with this midfield and attack? I feel like the link is just kind of not there right now. Um, I feel like Sonny's still working his way back. Uh, there's just a lot, kind of a lot of moving parts. And honestly, this is a, it's a good problem to have, but there are so many different pieces. We talked about this a little bit last week. There are so many different pieces you can mix and match within both the midfield and the attack and Decky kind of being that swing man who can play in either spot. It's almost like there's a, there's a puzzle for Ange to fix on how to get everything going forward, ticking despite what the back line might look like.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's... <laughs> There's a lot going on for Ange. Um, you know, he's got almost a whole different squad than he had the past six weeks. Um, it's even different to the one prior to that Chelsea game, right? You've got some additions and Timo Werner. Um, yeah, so he's got a lot going on. I, I think Basuma couldn't agree more, had a rough one. Saar was just kind of there. He was okay, but not as, as – uh, I guess, just lethal as we've seen him be. Um, And then Madison just wasn't quite there either, right? So if I look at those three, I look at two that were at AFCON, one of which conducted malaria or contracted malaria, sorry, um, we think, right? And that's a serious thing. So you don't expect either of them to bounce back quickly. Um, And then Madison, obviously, with the ankle injury, the same thing. So I don't know. When I saw that it was that midfield, I was intrigued, but I also was concerned that it might be a bit of a recipe for a disaster. But I wonder if Angie is interested in just getting them acclimated and back to full fitness ASAP, regardless of what it does to potential results, right? I, I don't know if you play the long-term versus the short-term in that situation, especially considering we don't have any cup games. So um, the league's important. But, yeah, it, it wasn't great.
2: Is there something you would have done differently in that midfield? Because I feel like th- the only reason I ask that is because of honestly the fullbacks, because of what what is asked in this system out of the fullbacks. But I feel like that is probably on any given day our best midfield at the moment, just with the way that Bentancur has been playing, Loselso still coming back from injury, even though he did get on the pitch late in this game. And I just don't think that you know Hoybier or Skip are. are you know, as good, frankly, as Saar or Basuma to play back behind Madison. But I feel like that's the ideal midfield. It's just, to me, it goes back to the the problem of the fullbacks not being able to create enough uh, support for them.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot you can do. You can, I don't, I think if PH and Skip, Benteke, I agree. I don't see en- enough to, th- that ticks the needle to to consider playing one of them instead. Maybe a Kulisewski in the middle, I think. That's a super nuanced conversation, considering how good he is on the right and and all of that. Right? You don't want to you don't want to force your best player out of his position to to try to like patchwork or piecemeal the situation. I don't think so. There's not a whole lot you can do, um, and that's why I say maybe he just says, "Fuck it, let's roll with our best midfield and get get them ticking as quickly as possible." Right? So so to answer your question, no, I don't think I would have done anything differently.
2: I wanna take the attack um kind of one by one. I think Sonny it's a it's a short conversation for me. I think he's still just working his way back from the Asian Cup and will be fine. Um Richarlison, I think, is also kind of a short conversation. I thought he played really poorly, but I also think that he's been carrying this team for like a month and a half with Sonny out and deserves uh, a break, uh and probably deserves a game to sit and maybe doesn't need it now with the the, the week break in between games, but just did not look great in this match. In my opinion, Um, I even want to talk about the goal. We conceded uh, in a minute with him too, because I thought there was a moment that maybe went under the radar. Um, And then Kulisevsky to your point, Scotty, I thought was brilliant on the right. And that's why it makes the conversation of moving him more centrally so hard for me, because I think he is our best option at right wing Um, the goal. He scored Caroline. I just was like, I, I think I called it a moment of brilliance, like on, on, either on i I either tweeted or put it on our group chat i can't remember it was just one of those like i can't believe he just did that it was it was the spark that in the moment to, to tie the to tie the match we felt like we needed um and obviously didn't hold up but in that in that moment i was i was pretty pumped about it
0: well yeah especially with the timing of it coming you know what was it less than a minute after resuming from halftime so it, it felt to me like we had some momentum in that moment. And I wish we could have capitalized on it because <laughs> I know we had another chance right after that that could have brought us into the lead that we didn't take advantage of. But I was happy to see something a little different from Kulisevsky than what we've seen in the last few games. And his goal was just pure like scrappy, get it done, you know, find a way, <laughs> which I think is really what I've been wanting to see from him. Um, in terms of the other forwards, my only real complaint is that after Richarlison went off, we didn't see Sonny move centrally. You know, I feel like he he is still our most efficient shooter. And I I would have liked to see that change. And he was still out on the left for for most of the rest of the game. He did move centrally at the end, but um, I think Timo <laughs> You know, for all, I think he has been a good addition to the team. And I'm trying to, like, come onto his side gradually. I I don't think he's most effective in the striker role. I definitely think he's better out on the wing. So that was a little baffling to me from Ange and probably my biggest criticism from the game. The other thing I think that was a bit of a letdown, it was our set piece, like offensive set pieces were just woeful. <laughs> um, you know, this is a little bit down to Madison. His delivery just was not great. But that really felt like that could have been an X factor for us in terms of breaking down, you know, a very stubborn wolves team um, that we didn't take full advantage of. So that was disappointing to me.
1: I mean, I, I don't disagree with anything you all are saying. I think with Richarlison, it's tough when when Son returns to the lineup because it just changes the spacing and and everything that's going on around you when when you have a world class pre- ple- presence to your left um, when you've been kind of feeding on everything for the past five weeks or whatever it's been. So I chalk his rough performance up to nothing more than Sun being back in the lineup and then having to adjust to that. thought Kulisevsky was great. I couldn't agree more. But, yeah, I, I, I think you continue to rock Son or Charleston. Kulisevsky is your best front three. And you start to figure out how to use Werner and and uh, Johnson as as good subs and we'll even have a few more coming back right in the near future. So we're, we're going to look pretty thick and and prepared up top in the near future. And as soon as son and Richardson and you know, find their form again together, I think we'll be in good shape.
2: I want to talk about the, the two goals that were conceded. Um, I talk, talked a little bit earlier about the the second one on the, on the, you know, the pure counterattack goal um, and just kind of the line that, that, Emerson took. And that, that's a goal to me that just comes off of a counterattack where Spurs really had all the momentum in the second half, especially, you mentioned it, Caroline, right after the Kulsevsky goal. For the next 15, 20 minutes or so, Spurs were were really on attack. Um, and that's just a, a matter of getting caught out. And I feel like that is purely the product of Ball. sometimes. you're When you play a good counterattacking team, you are pinning a team in. Every once in a while, you're going to get bit in the ass. And they did. The first goal is the way more concerning one to me uh, because I feel like we've seen set pieces be a real issue in recent weeks. This one, however, was different for for different reasons. This was not Vicario getting crowded in the box. This was just purely a man unmarked. Um, And the moment that allowed the corner is what I alluded to a couple of minutes ago, talking about Richarlison, that ball went out of playoff of Richarlison. It, there was a, there was a cross put in by a Wolves player and Richarlison touched it out. And either he didn't know that there was no one behind him around or no one communicated it to him, but it was a corner that never should have been given up by Spurs. Uh, so that was the first kind of blunder. And then to have an unmarked man, just head a ball so cleanly into the box. um, <laughs> What are we doing defensively from a set piece standpoint, Kelly? And I know you said you talked about offensively. It hasn't looked good defensively. I think it's looked way worse recently.
0: Yeah, it, I mean, it has, and I, I cannot honestly say that I have a solution to this other than just mark your man better. (laughs) Like we're just not doing basics on these defensive set pieces is really what it feels like. But I agree with you that the bigger issue is that we gave up the set piece in the first place because you know, theoretically in an Ange system richie should be trying to play that ball forward and he wasn't under a lot of pressure so it, it it felt really baffling in the moment that he made that mistake you know i know he's not a defender but i i think all the players in the team should have that sort of confidence to play out from the back at this point um so that was strange and just like you said not great marking and I don't think there was too much for Vicario to do on that one. It was just a great shot, but um, disappointing to to keep conceding so many goals from set pieces. It's It feels like we should have some answers by now. And um, it's, it's not clear what the strategy has been to improve that, honestly.
1: Yeah, Carolyn, I, I couldn't agree more. I think I said it in the group chat, but... To concede off of that set piece is just incredibly frustrating. Um, how how easy is it to just be prepared at the back, right? Um, we, first of all, the delivery is tough. And anytime the delivery doesn't find the right place, you're very much at risk to get countered on. And then our numbers were light at the back. We took poor angles on those runs. I just, that's, that's the type of goal that, you can't just shake it off and say shit happens in soccer, right? That just straight up should have happened. so to, to, to concede that type of goal and it end up, you know, costing you points, three of them, right. Is, is, is really frustrating and it's just, it's on Angie and the staff to clean that stuff up for sure.
2: I put it out on social media yesterday asking if, Wolves are the official bogey team for Spurs. Uh, I didn't realize at that moment, as I just looked it up, Spurs have lost four of their last five to Wolves, uh, which is really saying something. And if you go back even to when Wolves came back into the Premier League, we're talking we're talking a good six, seven years here, something like that. It's, I think it's 2018, 2019 that they came back in. Um, it's, it's kind of been that way. It's been tough sledding against that team, uh, either home, away, It doesn't matter. Um, they are a tough outfit and I I don't know what it is about them. It's just a simple, uh, little hoodoo that they need to, to fix because, you know, it's, it's one thing to, you know, somebody, somebody told me yesterday, no, Chelsea is Spurs bogey. No, Chelsea is like, (laughs) that's a, a fierce local Derby that is, you know, that's not someone you can call a bogey team. It's wolves to me. I don't think there's a, a another team that we would look at as you know, a more of a more of a mid table outfit, and that's no offense to wolves. I don't even say that with any malice. Like I think any reasonable wolves fan would say, yeah, we're 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 more of a mid table outfit who are going to try and poke into the European places uh, rather than Spurs, who I think would expect to be there more often. But boy, it has been tough sledding to uh, against that team. and um I don't know. it's it's just it's kind of tough to see. Um regarding the injuries we don't really have a clear picture on Poro or Udogi. I think I think the word was that Udogi could potentially be back by the next game which again is not until March now because of this postponement against Chelsea. Poro we're still not really quite sure on so we will have to see. Um in terms of the other kind of injury stuff that popped up did you guys see the story earlier in the week about Hyunmin's son and his dislocated finger. This was not something that came out uh, before our last podcast. He, of course, returned in a sub role, but returned to the starting lineup this time and everyone was kind of realizing he had a, a little bit of a brace on his finger, apparently dislocated it, breaking up a fight while on international duty between South Korean teammates over a ping pong match. All of this led to the sacking of Jurgen Klinsmann, uh, all kinds of different drama coming out of that, but that is obviously not a concern in terms of his playing ability, but still a weird one um, And then the other real uh, injury news from the week was Ryan Sessegnon who was taken off uh, Playing in a u-21 match for Spurs. I, I don't know what else there is I don't know if you guys have anything else to say about Ryan Sessegnon. Um, Everything that I say is gonna be as nice as possible um, It's certainly not gonna be as, as as vitriolic as some of the things I've seen said about him online, uh, which is awful, by the way, and people who are, you know, shouting the man down online should be ashamed of themselves. But uh, Ryan Sessnion just can't seem to catch a break. And I think it's 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 unfortunate for his career. It's unfortunate for Spurs. But it's most, um, most importantly, it's unfortunate for the young man that can't get anything going in terms of his health and playing.
0: No, I agree. I mean, it's just it's it's a sad situation for him because, you know, by all accounts, he's been working very hard to get back to fitness. So to have another setback is really sad for him. And yeah, I just feel for him. Yeah, it's a tough situation. Yeah.
1: Honestly, I feel I feel for Ryan, too. I think. I don't know if, if he gets to the point where he decides to go play somewhere else. Right. Or or compete in a different manner than than the English Premier League and what that calls for when it comes to you know your body Um, not only is it the most physical grueling league in the world it's jam-packed full of three games a week how many times right Um, so it's a tough league to play in if you're injury stricken I think I think Lamella has been a huge example of how positive it can be to get out of England if you can't keep your body healthy right so I don't know. I I mean I know nothing about Satanyan as a as a person. I don't know what his personal desires are, right? But speaking hypothetically, I just wonder if he's at the point where he'll he'll start to decide like the overall picture of life and my career and not just whether or not I'm at Tottenham, right? So I I don't know. I I wish the best for him and I hope he finds a way to continue to play football regularly.
2: So I think that's well said. Um the only other thing I had on my agenda before we get to talking About another 2-1 defeat on the women's side of things is kind of just more internet nonsense, I guess, would be the way to put it. And uh, a lot of buzz about Harry Kane. And Caroline, I kind of want to go to you on this, obviously, as the, you know, the the co-Spurs fan slash Byron fan. I know things are not going well at Byron right now, um, and I'm not trying to rub salt, trust me. I don't really care. <laughs> not doesn't affect me, but I do think that the out there's a combination of outcry about Ange out cane in that I just find very peculiar and disarming. I'm I'm almost, I almost don't know how to even tiptoe into these waters. So I'm just going to turn it over to you to say what you want or don't want to say on this topic.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I knew we were going to talk about this. So I was, you know, ruminating on it before recording and, I I just feel like this response from a part of the fan base is really coming from just a purely sentimental place, because it cannot be founded in logic to me. Um, You know, obviously, like, logistically, I don't think there's any chance of Kane coming back period, like, it's just not going to happen um, for various reasons. But also, I just don't think it makes sense from a squad building perspective either because, you know, let's face it. He left at the end of the window. He had been in preseason with Ange. He knew what the plan was for the season. He knew what, you know, this whole sort of project we've been talking about, you know, what it was going to be. And he decided he did not want to be part of it. And I feel like you have to... I don't know if "respected" is the right word because I don't respect it necessarily, um, but I think you have to accept it. I guess that that this is not you know a club that he had interest in being at anymore, um, and I just feel like we have to embrace the players who are here and who do care and who are working really hard to get a get the get the team to the place where it, it wants to be. Um, I feel like that came out way more heated than I intended it to be. No, <laughs> um, I don't. I think that's I extremely that
2: reasonable. No, I. I, ex- I don't essentially, think that, that is out. how
0: I feel.
2: Yeah. No, I. I don't. I think that's very level headed. And uh, Scott, I, I'm, I'm, we, I'm, I'm trying to get over for me the fact that I'm weirded out by all of this because I, I feel like the Harry Kane departure was one that was not nearly as acrimonious as it it ne- needed to be, but at the same time, it was also it was awkward as hell and trying to, I don't know, trying to put toothpaste back in that tube is, is extremely awkward as well. It all just feels like I said, I'm, I'm tiptoeing around a lot of things here that I, it's, I don't know where to go with this. It's just, it just seems very strange as to why people would feel this way. And I'm not, I'm not begrudging anyone their feelings, but it just seems like, why would you want to go down that road right now?
1: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> The the first thing I'll say on the Kane situation is, is you can't take our entire next budget, next Windows budget, and buy Kane back. I mean, we just we fleeced Byron with a hundred and twenty million dollar purchase of Kane. If we come back for Kane, they're going to be like, "Fuck you." Three hundred fifty million is our starting conversation, right? Like, it's never happening. Um, secondly, to your point about, secondly, regarding Kane. To your point about the, the send-off and the way that he left, it was weird. It was super strange. And it tells me only one thing, and that he pissed somebody off at the club. Because there is no way, there's no other explanation for not giving Harry Kane, your greatest ever player, your record goal scorer, your local legend, boyhood player, just the greatest send-off you could ever give somebody, right? And we let him record something from his backyard and then posted that on social media i think right so
2: but don't we think that part of that is him as well like i think i i don't think this was all down to the club i think this is it, who it, harry is to an extent
1: it is but like he would still go do a video like they gave eric dyer right where he's sitting in the head they they we, where he's i was going to say where he's sitting at n17 they also wouldn't let him come into n17 for like three or four days after we sold him, right, to come pick up his items. Like, somebody else boxes shit up, right, and and set it out for him to come grab. So I think he pissed somebody off at the club. I wasn't happy with Harry Kane. You guys know that. Like, I love him, and he is yeah. the greatest ever player. But to, 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 to tell me over, like, a FaceTime video that you record that you're going to Byron to play for a club where it's important to win trophies every year, like, bro – you could have won four. And I've said this probably every episode that we've ever recorded, right? You could have won four trophies for Tottenham Hotspur. You played in finals. Um, Well, three, and then I talk about England. So three for Tottenham Hotspur, right? Played in finals. You could have won some trophies. It just, it, it really offended me that he would like inadvertently even, right? Maybe it wasn't unintentional, but he labeled us as a club that's not interested in winning. And that just pissed me off. Um, If we'd never been to a final, if we kept finishing seventh and eighth and, you know, Saha Nelson types of windows, sure. Like, you can say that, but that's not what happened at all. And um, it's just something that it might take me a while to get over. So, no, Harry Kane, I'm not interested in you returning. I'm sorry to say this, Caroline, but if you don't win any trophies, I'm not going to shed a tear, bud. Like, um, you know, Byron's – and, again, I I say this with all love for Caroline. I have no interest in Byron's fortunes. Like, I just don't care, right? I um, So, yeah, no, no. The answer is no. Harry can not returning.
2: You're saying you're saying Harry didn't really need to FaceTime you goodbye. He could have just texted you. And that's kind of like whenever I see somebody Facetime me randomly, right. are you guys like that? Like, text me first. If you're going to FaceTime me, like, don't just <laughs> yeah. pay- FaceTime me out of the blue. That's kind of weird, even for a friend or a family member. I'm like, give me a little heads up on that. And yeah. instead, Harry just dropped his face FaceTime goodbye on us and didn't even text first. I don't know.
1: But Harry Kane also seems like the type of person that would text you and then FaceTime. And if you don't answer, I know the phone's in your hand. Like, why are you not answering the phone? Which is my pet peeve with people texting before they FaceTime me too. I'm like, are they just waiting to see that I'm like sitting with my phone in my hand and then I have to answer the FaceTime, right? So anyways. He, um, al- he
2: also seems like the, t- the type that would sign his text, Harry or H., at the end hk know it's coming through, like he probably he probably seems like that type too so hk uh, schedule, no man. like like but i he- said man it's it's a it's a weird conversation that people are having and i get that like what else are we doing what else are we talking about other than like a disappointing defeat and kind of some you know it's also tough when you ha- when you have a break you know that you've got to sit and ruminate on this defeat and honestly we're about to talk about the women. It's the same in their camp. They don't play again until March either. And it's like you got to sit on these crappy losses going into international breaks or weeks in which you don't have a match. Uh, it 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 is it is kind of just what we do as a as a people, I guess. We just sit around and say shit and post it online. And I don't know. It, it's it, it makes for it makes for good fodder. It, it, it fills up the, you know. The publications I suppose, but it is also just some of that stuff that I sometimes have to brush off. So I don't know. Yeah.
1: Well well said and and I know I've been ranting, so apologies in advance, but before we get on to the women's game too, I think it's worth talking about the the Ange out stuff or whatever. And I don't want to give it airtime because oh. it's just random accounts on Twitter. But I think I will say that I understand why people are frustrated. And and I'm gonna I'm gonna add to this, right Before anyone thinks otherwise, but I understand the frustration. I think, honest to God, I just looked at our results. The only match since Chelsea, I think we performed really well against Chelsea, albeit a four-one defeat. Right? It was just a fucked up situation. But I'll be or since Chelsea, I I think only Newcastle, in which we won four to one, was like a good performance. Right. Um, some tough losses in there. The draw at city was a good performance. Uh, I'll give the club, the team that for sure. But outside of that, like it was all just kind of duds, unnecessary losses. Maybe we squeak out a win when we really didn't deserve it. Like last week, potentially. Right. Um, So I understand the frustration, but I think it's completely coming from a place of how well we've done thus far. And I think if, if we were in fifth place fighting for fourth or sorry, if if at the beginning of the season, you could say you guys are going to be in fifth place fighting for top four right there, a point off, whatever it is. Right. This late in the season, I'd say that's fucking awesome. Considering how things have been. Right. But the fact that we were like winning the league in October and, and I don't mean we were in first place. Like there was talks of us winning the league in October. Right. Maybe not from this podcast, but it was out there. That's why it feels so shitty right now. I think the loss of oodles and oodles of first team players that we don't need to go through really affects us and, and plays into this situation too. I also think there's a little bit to be said, like I said earlier in the, earlier in the show for, for our tactics, maybe not standing up as strongly as they did at the beginning of the season because teams are starting to learn how to, how to shut this weird system down. Right. So there's a little bit of all of that, but i I think that there's no other answer outside of Ange Pastacoglu is fucking incredible and we'll get this figured out and we just need to, to calm down and pump the brakes a little bit. Sacking Ange Pastacoglu would be disastrous for the club after everything we've invested into his project, right? It would be absolutely asinine. It would kind of remind me of sacking Pochettino and hiring Mourinho, right? To try to go win something because we think that we're right there. And we deserve to win again, right? Because of of the start to the season that we had. We, w- in my opinion, we don't deserve to win this year, right? We have improvements to make. We have to continue to get better. So this is all all these things are like are there to some degree the players, the tactics, um. But ultimately, we just need time because it's very early in everything that we've set out to do. Um, yeah, and I just hope I stop seeing Ange out stuff on Twitter because it's just. I don't know if it's clickbait or what, but it's just, it's silly.
2: I'll, I'll go a step further, Scott. I, I think sacking Ange at this point would be 10 times crazier than when we sacked Pochettino. Like it's, it's the man's been in the for job sure. for seven months. Like what, yeah. what are we doing? Oh For sure. You gotta, yeah. you gotta give this guy at least two full seasons reassess. I would say at least full three full seasons to build out his team, build out his squad. If he can get us into Europe going into next season, awesome. That's when you go out in the summer, you build in your depth, you make sure you have the bodies. That's, that's, that's where we're at. Um, I'm I'm excited to see this project continue to grow despite the, the bumps in the road.
0: Right. And I think the thing that everyone needs to keep sight of is the fact that there is a plan. <laughs> you know, it's not just we have, you know, attracted this quote, unquote, win now manager, and going to pray for the best like there's an actual strategy in place now and the whole club is working towards the same goal so for me that's the key thing like if y'all will indulge me in mentioning byron once more it's a shit show over there because they do not have a strategy they have a hastily appointed manager a completely sporadic recruitment strategy um the board or fighting with each other half the time you know what i mean like there's no synergy in the club and that's why losses feel like genuinely concerning at that club right now because you don't know there's no sense that things are going to get better anytime soon basically um but with Ange, it feels like really we've just had some tough breaks a lot of factors that are you know literally out of our control things like having AFCON in the Asian cup in the middle of this season, just when, you know, those players were, you know, very important to the team. Um, the injury debacle, like things that you really just can't control. So yeah, I don't feel concerned about Angus future with the club at all. I think he's on the right track and I, I mean, we'll pivot to talking about the women's team in a moment and it's pretty much the same thing over there too.
2: Yeah. And that's, a, you, you, transition perfectly so let's get right into it because i feel like these bumps in the road are just that they're bumps in the road we can at least see down the road um spurs fall at home to aston villa 2-1 um carolyn you're gonna have to walk us through this one because it it felt like you know this was one that when you're going into it you I, i wouldn't say expect to win but you expect a better performance at the very least right
0: I think so, especially considering how the reverse fixture went. You know, that was the game where we won four to two. So we did concede two goals, but that was the game where Martha Thomas had her hat trick. And at the time, you know, kind of similar to the men's team, it just felt like everything was going right for the team. The attack was flowing. It was fluid. Um, You know, there were still some defensive kinks to work out, but overall, you know, it was just a really good situation. And I think we are now in a period in the season where we do have some players who are coming back from injuries who have not quite reintegrated. Um, And unfortunately, you know, one of them is our leading scorer from last season and the other is our leading scorer from this season. Um, And Robert Villahom, you know, for the most part, I think he's been doing a really great job. I think some of his selection decisions in the past few games have been (sighs) not not concerning, but just like a little maybe contrary to what the actual form is in the squad. Um, I, I don't know that the the Beth England and Martha Thomas playing together experiment is working out. So I think that's something that we're just going to have to address sooner rather than later, um, especially when you have a player like Jess Naz, who I think really has shown a lot of potential in the last you know couple of months. And I, I really would like to see her getting more game time. But today, it was just a case of we conceded two extremely stupid goals. (laughs) Um, The first was Adriana Leon, you know, made a great run into the box and her shot really was saveable. And I I was quite baffled that Barbara, who was the starting keeper in this game, she just let it roll right underneath her. it was, it was a save you would expect her to make. So that one was disappointing from that perspective. It wasn't necessarily, uh, you know, something the defense did wrong. I think, um, you know, they were trying to close her down and they did force not a great shot from Leone, but not great keeping in the end. Um, and then we were able to equalize off of a set piece, <laughs> ironically. Um, I think it was Evelina sumanen who had the delivery and then Amy James Turner had a beautiful header uh, so kudos to her for you know really getting it done on the offense. I'm I'm still not convinced by her in the center back pairing, but that's another matter. And then Aston Villa's second goal was you know poor defending on a set piece that they were given a corner. Um, I think it was Jordan Knobs was left completely unmarked, kind of similar to the goal that the men's team conceded, honestly. Uh, so you know it was kind of like deja vu and like here we go again. Um, but overall I felt like we, we really didn't do enough to win this game. Um, it, it felt kind of similar to what we've been seeing with the men's team with the midfield just kind of disjointed and, um, just not a whole lot of the sort of the, the patterns of play that we were seeing in the start of the season, like everything's just kind of been breaking down, but I don't, like I said, I don't think it's a moment to panic because, it's it's just that we we have players who are just not in form at the moment, and I think that's going to come. I also think Ash Neville being out has been pretty important. Um, you know, we we've got two January signings who are the starting fullbacks, and I think I just would like to have a little bit more experience in one of those roles. Um, and we know that Ash brings that. You know, she's someone who's not going to make those kind of you know mistakes like failing to mark a player on the corner. So yeah, I think it'll be really good when we get her back, hopefully sooner rather than later.
2: Well, and of course, as we mentioned, going to the international break now, and it's a couple of weeks off before a rematch with Arsenal, which is obviously not great. You you don't you don't want that, but in the reverse fixture, it was the first ever victory over Arsenal that won nil. At the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So, you, you at least have that in the back of your mind to build off of. And I think it's like you said, it, it's, it, and we've been doing this all season and we'll continue to do it as long as the comparisons relate. Like, it's a speed bump, just like it is on the men's side. Like, you can still see something building here. You can still see players either coming back from injury or from absences for whatever reason, still trying to integrate into a system and an 11 and then building out that depth behind it. Um, which in certain positions is still not quite there. Um, and as you mentioned, two January transfers playing pullback. It's February 18th. They obviously haven't been with the club for very long. Um, so as long as those kinds of things continue to gel and, and we continue to see progress there, um, I think that's a step in the right direction, despite, again, a, a, a tough result. Um, that match is not for, not, for, not for another two weeks. It's March the third so a little bit of a build up to that one which will be fun to uh witness i know they had a, a massive crowd at the emirates this weekend uh i believe they were they were playing united right that was the, that was the united match so yeah was... And
0: isn't this game gonna be at the emirates also am i wrong
2: that's a good question it should be uh you would think it would be let me double check that i think it Ah uh,
0: no, I'm wrong. It is it is at Meadow Park, according to Fat Mob. So
2: interesting. So they don't they don't have enough respect to to play us at the Emirates. Interesting. That's a that's an inter- that's one to put in the uh, on the bulletin board as well, if, if you ask me. So, yeah, that would be interesting. The other...
1: Yeah, sorry, Andrew. The other the other thing that's I think worth discussing with with the women's team is considering we battled relegation last year. And we're we're in sixth place, right? Which sounds sounds really good. And then you're like, okay, mid table, right? But still, I I think it's a it's a lot to be proud of considering all of the changes. And and like on the men's side, for example, you what Van de Ven and I and Madison, I think, are the only two new signings. Oh, Vicario. So you have three new signings in the best eleven, right? Um, and keeper is like counts for like a half in this situation, right? They're goalkeeping, but the women's team has more than that at any given time in their first eleven, right? When you're when your two fullbacks were signed in January, like they've been at the club for a month-ish, right? That's a lot to ask. So the fact that that, you know, they're they're sitting mid, mid-table and doing so well, I think, is is a lot to be proud of. The styles coming together, like you both have said. Um, I think, you know, that's probably honestly right where the men's team maybe we thought would be right deserves to be so I think there's parallels when you talk about the projects at hand and I think ultimately they're both going very well Um, and and on the women's side to, to consider everything that 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 Robert has dealt with as far as changes and and the fact that we're sitting here talking about how we just got our first ever win over our biggest rival in Arsenal, right? And and I know there's there's something to be said for who our biggest rival is considering the situation, but it's Arsenal, right? And so, you know, there's there's frustration from my chair and the fact that we've let our rivals get so far ahead of us, right? That's a whole different conversation. But when I consider what Robert's up against, I think he's doing a, a damn good job, and I expect that to continue for sure.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I think it's also interesting to look at the numerous games we've had against Manchester city (laughs) within the past, you know, month or so as kind of a, a case study. Like we've really been, I think in the last portion of the season, kind of focusing on improving defensively. And we started to see that become an issue in the sense that we weren't attacking as freely. So, you know, Robert was talking before this game about how, the task now is trying to find a balance. And I don't think we got the balance right in this game either, but I I think it's at least something that he's mindful of. And, you know, like we've been talking about, it's just a growing pain of adopting a new system, having so many new players, you know, and even, you know, talking about goalkeeping, we've, we've been playing, you know, our new keeper for most of the league games, Um, you know, since that Arsenal game where she played so well. And I, I feel like it's still kind of up in the air if she's going to be the number one keeper for the rest of the season, because in the cup games where Becky has played, she has looked really good. And I I think Barbara has struggled a little bit with not being um, quite in sync with the defense, like the communication really has not been there. And I think it's been kind of a major issue on a few goals we've conceded lately. So I, I, I don't know. It would be a bold call for Robert to put Becky back as the number one keeper, but I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility because you know, the other thing Becky brings to the team is that her distribution is is definitely stronger than Barbara's. So it's it's one of those things where it's like you've got trade-offs. Like we know that that Barbara is a great shot stopper most of the time. <laughs> um, the first goal today being the exception. But I I I just think that it may be. It's not quite time for the transition just yet, perhaps.
2: Something to watch out for. Uh, The next game, as I said, Sunday, March 3rd, away to the Arsenal. Uh, On the men's side, it is the day before, Saturday, March 2nd. That is a home match against Crystal Palace, of course, because next week's scheduled match against Chelsea was postponed due to their participation in the League Cup final. Um The Crystal Palace reverse fixture, by the way, I just glanced at was the game before the Chelsea match, a 2-1 win at Selhurst Park in which we scored uh in the 53rd on an own goal and then Sun followed up in the 66. We took a 2-0 lead into stoppage time. IU got one. Uh, back for them but and we kind of held on late for that 2-1 win at Selhurst Park so hopefully a chance to do the double over palace and uh, get things back on track for the men as well in a couple of weeks we however will be back with you next weekend we're gonna find something to talk about I'm sure something will piss us off on the internet enough to come on here and rant about because that's kind of what happens but uh, we're gonna ask that you help fill the agenda as well send us uh, any questions comments concerns you have Uh, Find us at Tottenham Depot on the socials. We are now on Blue Sky as well. So follow us on Blue Sky. Just search Tottenham Depot to find us on there. Uh, You can find us on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Threads, Blue Sky, TikTok. I, I'm gonna have to start writing these down eventually. We also still have the YouTube page. You can go follow that as well. We'll start getting some content up there shortly. Hopefully, do a couple live shows uh, in the in the near future for you all to kind of join in on on and be able to to live comment and and those kinds of things as well. Uh, but until next weekend, for Caroline, she is at CG Go, Scott is at Scotchy Bird. You can follow me at A And Again, follow us at Tottenham Depot. Uh, We'll talk to you guys next weekend. And as always, come on, you Spurs.